And we're going to kind of key on that theme this morning uh, through this interview um, uh, session. So in a minute here, we'll introduce you to uh, people sharing. And what, what I want to first let you know is all these people are, are going to be joining our church as new members. And so they were uh, glad enough to share their stories. This is not a requirement for all people <laughs> joining the church, all right? But they were kind enough uh, to be willing to tell uh, their story, so we're glad. Um, l- let me first um, kind of introduce what we're going to be doing here. I'm going to sit down as well. Um, Psalm 107, uh, verses 1 through 2, uh, was the key uh, verse that led our song time. It said, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now listen to this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Um, the the uh, New International Version uh, interprets verse 2, or translates verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. This is to be our natural response uh, to what God has done, to his redemption in our lives, is that we tell of what God has done. And so all of us have stories of redemption. Some stories are very profound, um, some more subtle, um, but, but God is working a story of redemption in the lives of everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And so what we want to do today is consider some stories of redemption. Now, if you read through Psalm 107, and I'm going to encourage you to do that this week, it's a great psalm leading into Thanksgiving. Uh, when you read through there, you realize that the psalmist, um, he's like painting a number of vignettes, um, stories of redemption. You probably caught them this morning during uh, the song time. Um, the psalmist said that some people found themselves lost, wandering in the wilderness. Um, you think about Israel's history. At one time, Israel was wandering in the wilderness, and they found themselves really not only lost geographically, but lost spiritually, wandering from God's commandments, wandering from Him. And then in their distress, in their lostness, they kind of came to the end of themselves, called out to the Lord for help, and it says the Lord heard them, and He delivered them. Let them give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. It went on to talk about how some people were imprisoned in their own sin and affliction. It's a really striking phrase that we can find ourselves um, not just captive um, to other people's expectations, but as humanity, we can find ourselves imprisoned by our own choices. Our own sinful decisions end up kind of hemming us in in life. And then when we come to the end of ourselves, um, the psalmist says we cry out to the Lord and He hears us. He hears us in our distress and frees us from these places of imprisonment, be it addiction, um, be it simply uh, the consequences of our choices. God delivers us uh, in those places. Uh, And then it went on to talk about how others foolishly rebelled against God's instructions. Um, So God is not only hearing the cries of those who have followed him perfectly, far from it. Uh, God hears the cries of those who have been foolish. And truth be told, that's all of us. In one way, shape, or form, we find ourselves living against God's instructions in life. And the Lord hears our cries and delivers us in those places. Um, I I love the fact that every vignette in the Psalm 107 ends with people crying out to the Lord, God hearing them, and delivering them. So we want to focus on that this morning. How has God worked his redemption um, in the lives of these four people? I'd like you to consider how has God worked redemption in in your story. Um, So before we dive right into the kind of the meat of of sharing these testimonies, I first want uh, you all to get to meet uh, these people. So let's uh, grab the the talking (coughs) stick and we'll uh, we'll go around first. Why don't you share first of all your name? Um, uh, Tell us a little about yourself, uh, maybe where you grew up. 
what you do or did for work, and how long you've been a follower of Jesus. Okay, my name's Mark Lang. I grew up in Dover, um, North End. My folks are still up there. Uh, we moved back here in 81, excuse me, in uh, 2021, 21, 22, <laughs> I don't know. We, so we're back. I left in 81. Uh, I worked for IBM up there for about 40 years. Uh, Kim and I uh, have three kids, Andrew, who you know, uh, and then we have a daughter and her husband who lives in Tennessee, and a, another son and his wife who live outside of New York City. That's great. And I, actually, Mark, before we pass that on, don't you have like a family connection to this mill building? My aunt worked here for a while when it back was in <laughs> operation. So, yeah, so there's a lot of old hometown stuff yeah. here. So for me. That's neat. Yeah. So my name is Kim, and I grew up in Massachusetts. Um, I moved to Vermont for college and uh, stayed there for 43 years. 35 of those were married, have been married to Mark. Um, we moved here to be closer to family. Uh, in 2022, which is when Charlie was born. Um, and he doesn't remember dates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sam said we could pass the mic back and forth between us, and I, I said to Mark, I may just grab it. And <laughs> I said, he doesn't, Mark laughed. <laughs> I said, he doesn't realize that I'm, that I'm serious. Um, <laughs> I was a kindergarten and first grade teacher until uh, we began our family 35 years ago with Andrew. Hi, my name is uh, Mike Gregory, and I grew up in uh, central North Connecticut, uh, and I came up to the area when I went to college, um, so I've been in the area about 25 years or so, uh, new, now home to me, and I love it. Um, <coughs> I, uh, I have two kids, Isaac and Adele, you guys see them here pretty often, and uh, I've been a follower of Christ for seven years, I'll get more into that later. Um, Professionally, I'm a senior reactor operator at the nuclear power plant down on the coast, uh, coast Seabrook Station. And uh, yeah, we've been attending here for, uh, for a few months now, and uh, we really, you know, we looked around and we really like all, all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Hi, my name's Osman Jimenez Gregory. Gregory as of January 28th of this mm -hmm. year. <laughs> um, and so it's still taking a while to, um, you know, get adjusted to that. Um, <laughs> I was born in Puerto Rico and I migrated to the US when I was eight. I lived in Long Island and that experience profoundly marked me. I didn't realize that how impacting that was gonna be because when you go from like, you know, being, um, you know, that is your, your, my first language is Spanish. And so then like not knowing the language and you know, that kind of, ch those challenges, it really pushed me to work really, really, really hard and excel. And that has carried over in some throughout my life, um, and God has used it for good. Um, but I um, went to, grew up in a Christian home, uh, didn't always um, believe, and then um, went to college at Boston University, so that's my connection kind of to the north, to New England, but I grew up in Florida, and then um, worked in banking for several years, hated it, knew that was, like learned that wasn't it, and then you'll hear later salvation because of literally like around salvation and that's when God was directing me to go to law school. So I went to law school at the University of Florida and um, my calling and my work are the same thing. I represent kids and parents in abuse and neglect cases and um, also have worked in immigration, in detention uh, and deportation and unaccompanied children. And so now I, I still practice law. I practice law in Massachusetts, but I live here in New Hampshire as of February of this year. That's great. 
as you can tell, uh, it's already really neat how God has kind of brought together very different stories, and this is part of the body of Christ. We all have different stories, and God is bringing us together, and uh, you know, around holidays, we often tell our family stories, so today we're, we're telling our family stories. So uh, well, let's um, kind of uh, keep going around with, the, with this, um, with the mic, and why don't you share a little bit about your Psalm 107 story. Um, you know, how have you experienced God's redemption in your life? And Mike or Lozman, whichever one, feel free to go first. I'll go first. Uh, so uh, I I grew up Mormon, and uh, I grew up in a poor, dysfunctional Mormon family. Um, but even you know, looking back over the years, I can see how God was looking out for me um, with uh, good things that I stumbled my way into here and there, and workers, um, you know, taking care of me. Um, so uh, around uh, age 15. Uh, I uh, decided I had enough of the Mormon church. It wasn't really doing it for me, so I left, and things were chaotic enough in my home that uh, my parents were in no position to, to force me to, uh, to go to church, so I just did my own thing. Um, and uh, I, I was never an atheist, though. Um, I, you know, just looking around, uh, I just couldn't believe it was by accident. And I you know, much more recently found that explained quite well in Romans 1.20. Uh, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So I didn't have an excuse. I, I, I kind of knew there was a God or something greater that made us, uh, but I didn't really know a whole lot about him or if he wanted anything particular from us or whatever, and I didn't really concern myself with the question. Uh, so uh, I made my way up to UNH, um, and uh, I should add, I should backtrack, that one of the good things God blessed me with was a, a fantastic public education in uh, Connecticut, in one of the best public schools in Connecticut. So. I knew well enough that Christianity undergirded Western civilization, and I knew that we have it very well here, um, and I felt very fortunate for that. Um, so I always had a respect for Christianity, even if I didn't know a ton about it or the beliefs. Um, so that's kind of a, a current that stayed with me. I, I would make fun of believers and religious belief and stuff like, like that, which is funny because I didn't really know what was going on, and I knew it. Um, but I still had a respect. Uh, so I wandered my way up to college here at UNH, just a few miles that way, and uh, one of the markers in my life, um, one of the planters of a seed in my life was a friend of mine, Jake. And we got to be friends, um, and he would sometimes tell me about Jesus, about Christ, about the Bible, and um, you know, he always answered my questions and sometimes not so courteous challenges um, patiently. Uh, and uh, and carefully, and I appreciated that. Um, so, time moves on, um, and uh, I marry my college girlfriend, uh, and uh, she grew up uh, with Christian parents, so she wasn't a Christian herself, and we had kids. And out of respect for um, Christianity, as I mentioned before, and for uh, my wife's parents at the time, um, I agreed to baptize Isaac and then, of course, later Adele. And one thing that put me on the spot was that the, the pastor asked us, we were on York Beach, you know, about, you know, maybe 20 miles that way or something, um, and he put us on the spot 
and he asked, and do you promise to educate the children in Christianity and the faith? And uh, being where I was at, and when I already told you guys about my respect for Christianity, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Um, so I repeat 19 months later for Adele. Um, and we looked at some churches initially, uh, but you know, nothing really stuck with this and kind of forgot about it for a while. So when Isaac and Adele were six and four, that promise started to weigh on me. Now, one thing the Mormons did drill into me is that you keep your word. So if you say you're gonna do something, you do it. And this weighed on me. Um, so uh, I briefly reconsidered Mormonism, but as an adult in the age of the internet, that inquiry didn't last too long. Um, and uh, moved on from there and just decided to, uh, you know, go to the local little white town church and see what was going on there. And I liked those folks and they liked me, um, so I joined. Um, but at the same time, um, I started tearing into Christian apologetics. Um, the, uh, you know, I'll save the definition, I'll just assume you all know, and if not, I'm happy to explain afterwards. Um, but I was just book after book after book about reasons for why Christianity is true, why the Bible is the word of God, why it's historically accurate. Um, lots and lots of books. I got a list to share if anybody wants. Um, so uh, often in the form of audiobooks. So uh, there is one audiobook, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Frank Turek. And November 6, 2016, I was alone folding laundry in my bedroom, and I was listening to an appendix kind of wrap up of this book. Uh, and uh, Frank was writing that, um, now intellectual acceptance of the truth of Christianity is great. And at the time, I was basically like, okay, this, you sold me, you know, I believe this is true. He's like, that's good, that's necessary, um, but that doesn't get you right with God. Um, if you want to, um, if you want to be saved, you need to look to Romans uh, 10:9. <clears throat> if you declare with your mouth, "Jesus is Lord," and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Uh, so that at that moment, and you know, getting like five, six miles that way. Um, I was just overcome by the Holy Spirit. Um, it was a, a very real, intense physical phenomenon. It was like, you know, maybe you're watching a heroic scene in a movie or listening to a fantastic score of movie, a movie score in a movie, and you just feel this sort of, ex, you know, electric thing come over you. But it was far, far, far greater than any previous experience of that sort. Just, it was just so instantaneously overwhelming um, that I knew is from something much greater than me. And I just dropped down to my knees and said, all right, God, I'm doing this. Um, and uh, I professed that Jesus is Lord. And I believed in my heart that he did, that he was raised from the dead. Um, and my life has been so different ever since. Um, I mean, there's one time in my life uh, when, I mean, I was, I was vulgar, self-centered, wrathful, um, less so than my father, but, you know, still, had a problem with it. Um, and now, you know, the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit have been growing in me since, um, from Galatians 5.22. Uh, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, and it's been such 
such a tremendous turning point in my life and has brought me um, a great deal of joy. Now it also came with challenges. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, my my wife didn't sign up to be married to a Christian, so she took her leave a couple years ago. Um, and God quickly found a wonderful, God-fearing, Jesus-loving woman for me. Um, and uh, the other thing is that you know my church at the time wasn't teaching well. They're still not teaching well. I'm just not there anymore. Um, but God put it on my heart and made it clear with repeated signs that it was to call them to repentance, which was an interesting thing as kind of a young Christian. Um, but God made it clear to me, and he gave me the strength to do it. Uh, so I called them to teach well, to teach rightly. They didn't want to do that. Uh, I took my leave, and uh, we started looking around. And here we are, um, and it kind of brings you all up to speed on uh, That's great. Thank you, thing. Mike. Yeah. Do I need to press the button? No, it just goes. Okay. That sounds just right. Okay, thank you. And I timed myself, and I think it was like at 60 seconds, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would increase and I would decrease. Um, so there was a time in my life when I didn't know God for myself, even though I grew up in a Christian home, that I did not know that you could have absolute certainty about your salvation, that Jesus is God, the Bible is true, and that you could have a personal uh, relationship with God, and they actually had a specific plan for you, and that he talked to you. I didn't realize that. Um, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that I could understand the Bible for myself. I didn't know that I could have victory over sin and shame. I didn't know that I could have victory over things that I hated doing, and I didn't know I could have victory over my mind. Um, so when thought, I would sometimes have thoughts, and if anybody here this is very personal. If you've ever had thoughts of um, suicide or very deep depression, you're like, why do I feel this way? I don't want to think these things. I didn't know that you could have control over your mind. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I learned how to study the Bible. Um, I didn't know that those thoughts of suicide came from the murderer from the beginning who is the devil. I did not know that. Uh, but I now know that, that, that that's what God's word teaches me, that those thoughts are not coming from God, um, that that is not God's plan for my life or anybody's life. Um, then God saved me, and I was 26, um, and he gave me purpose. He directed me in a career that is my calling, where I represent parents and kids in abuse and neglect cases, and he gives me strategies for the cases, and sometimes those strategies sometimes tend to blow up, um, <laughs> um, and he uncovers things because he is true, so he uncovers things that are hidden. Um, and sometimes people don't like what I have to say because it's tough. Um, but he gives me the strength to do it. Um, he led me to meet my kingdom partner and husband. Um, and so I was living in Baltimore, uh, working in DC at a national civil rights organization where that was, had been my dream for a very long time. And I felt led to move back to, I wanted to be in the Boston area and I was praying and applying to jobs. And I really wanted to work in Massachusetts because of the public defender system. So I applied for this job in um, Northampton, Mass. And I didn't know anybody there. And I ended up getting this job. I found out later I was the first person as an, that was ever hired as an attorney in charge in the entire history of that agency um, from out of state. And I, because God is who he says he is, I was supervising people 
who'd been practicing 20 years in Massachusetts. I'd never practiced law in Massachusetts, but because Jesus is who he says he is, like I was able to do that. Um, he's ordered my steps, and um, if, if you don't know that he orders your steps, he does. Um, and you just have to ask him, and you realize that you don't order your own steps. And um, I've learned that God can redeem anything because he is the God who is, who was, and he is to come. And he can go back to the past and redeem it. Don't ask me how that works, but he can. Mm. <laughs> so that's, and I'm here, and um, I, you know, we, what, I'll just say this in terms of membership. I was searching for different churches. We visited a lot. Um, I wanted to find a church that had a good Friday service, so I was searching on the internet. I found this church was having a good Friday service. I emailed the contact, and I'll just say that I got an email within 24 hours from Christy, and that made a big impression on me because if you've ever been looking for a church and you email and nobody ever writes you back, you're like, well, that was fun. <laughs> I'm not going there. And so, so it made a big impression on me. And then when we came, people actually talked to us. <laughs> so that was important to us because when you go to church and nobody talks to you, you're like, well, how am I ever going to develop fellowship and community in, in a place like that? So... Um, and I liked that it was a whole service. It wasn't like two songs, a five-minute serving, and you're done. I, did, I, I liked that there was a liturgy. Um, so, and um, if anybody's never done a precept Bible studies, precept ministries, they're life-changing. And um, I'll just say this verse really quick. This is the verse, because when I first got saved, I was like, why couldn't I have been saved at this age? And blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't have done stupid, crazy things. But the verse that God showed me was, it's in Galatians 1. Um, when it's when Paul talks about his salvation and it was when, but when God who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me um, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So I, it's like I, you don't get saved when you want to get saved. You get saved when God call, like reveals his son in you, uh, reveals his son to you. That's one thing that I've learned. You couldn't have been saved earlier. It's like mm. that's when he does it. So that's, that's the story. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I didn't tie mine, and I think I have till 12, right? <laughs> Anyways, so I mentioned that I grew up here in Dover. Um, so I did grow up a Catholic, and actually St. Charles Church, for those of you who remember, it was the big church that was on the top end of Central Ave. Uh, went through 12 years of Catholic school, both the elementary and the high school at St. Thomas. Um, so, you know, very looking good type of life, right? Good Catholic boy, off we go and do these things. I graduated from UNH with my engineering degree in 81 and left up to head up to Vermont to go work for IBM. Uh, and then Kim and I met in 85 and were married. And uh, then we started our family. Um, and so three kids came along, my career is doing well, all these things are going great. In amongst all this, we're in churches. We switched to a congregational church when we got married, uh, purely because Kim was more comfortable because she, she had grown up in the congregational church. And to step into a Catholic church for those who have gone, there's a lot of mystique in the service, there's a lot of ceremony that's a little bit hard to understand. And so we decided we'd go to the congregational church. And we'd been there for quite a while. In amongst all of this that's going on, um, there really wasn't a lot of Jesus. I mean, growing up Catholic for me meant making sure you attend all the services on Sunday uh, and the Holy Day of Obligations and all those things. 
And Jesus was there, but at a distance, because the faith tends, or the church structure tends to make you believe you're inadequate to have any relationship with Jesus, and that any relationship you have has to go through the priest, who, you know, you would go to confession for, and I had my nice list of sins memorized, because <laughs> I really wasn't going to tell him what it was really going on, but I had a nice <laughs> list that every so often I'd go into the little booth, and we'd recite, and we'd say, go do these things, and off we go. So life was, looked really good from the outside. It was a life of achievement, um, where we basically moved through all the different series of life. You know, he gave me a lovely wife, he gave me great kids, I had a great job, I was well respected in my profession. But as that continued on, and I don't know, was in my 40s? I don't remember all these. She, I have to look, <laughs> I do not remember dates, um, so I do have to look. But later, as life was going on, one would think, okay, you've achieved, and you should feel good, and there was just the sense of emptiness. I recognize now that was the emptiness that I didn't have Christ in my life, but for me, it was there must be something I'm not getting. Uh, and that caused me to start moving back to a sinful life that I had as, as, as a youngster. And I dealt with same-sex attraction in my youth, and all of a sudden, and later in my life, I'm starting to look back at that. Therefore, our marriage arose, uh, and things get really rough, uh, and to the point that I finally admit to Kim what, what had been going on, and obviously, when you break your marriage vows, that's not a good thing in a marriage, uh, caused a lot of uh, breakage in our relationship, our family, uh, and at the same time, God intervened, and that's always the interesting thing. I think he needs to break people, um, and certainly for someone like myself, he needed to break you know, I looked really good in the outside. I thought I had achieved. And by the world's standards, I had. But he knew better, and he knew he needed to break me. And that was the breaking point that we entered into a different church. Very strange that we were in a congregation church. I was the president of the church, and Kim was the director of uh, children's ministries. And this crisis happens then. And, and we didn't know the Lord. And we didn't know the Lord. But he moved her first to another church that was a strong evangelical church, and then I followed. And I remember meeting with a gentleman who became one of my closest friends and mentors that we have breakfast on every week, and he said to me, it's just sin. All sin is just sin. You don't have a special handle on having the worst sin. You just have sin. And that's when the verse that, I can't remember where it is, I'm not good at that either, uh, <clears throat> where he says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins. Well, I knew that, but the last part caught me, which is, and will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that's when I realized for all the years that I was trying to take care of my sin, it wasn't going to work, because he does it. And that was really a pivotal point for me. Um, Things improved, we kept, you know, I learned how to walk close to the Lord, um, and it's an ongoing process. Uh, but then the Lord did funny things, like we got involved in marriage ministry, and not going, leading. <laughs> and so when, you know, it, and he really does use, the, I think he uses the brokenness of people to reach out to others. And so that was a, a very fruitful time for us, and we moved to different churches. And there was always a different opportunity that he would put us in. But marriage ministry kind of stayed at a, you know, a, a something that would come up on occasion. Um, and it doesn't mean at this point in time, because we found the Lord, everything in our life was perfect, because it wasn't. The, uh, 
you know, we lost our granddaughter during birth, uh, so she was still born in 2019? 2020. 2020. And that was a really hard moment, and also a, not only just emotional, but from a faith standpoint, to look and say, God, why did you do this? So I can remember going down to see my daughter the next day after she lost her roost, and uh, deciding I need to read Job, because there must be an answer in Job. And really the answer, you can kind of read through the whole story, and he says, you know, Lord taketh, Lord giveth, Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord, which is, it doesn't matter, it's still the Lord's activity in your life. And coming to grips with God is sovereign, and even the most difficult experiences was a big faith step forward for me. So I look at, you know, a journey of sanctification is one, it's not always going to be blessed. In fact, some of the worst things that you go through are where you get the biggest blessing. Mm -hmm. And so we came down here as we, as I retired and uh, we felt like we want to make this church our home because our kids are here and our grandkids are. And so we're just delighted to be part of the community. So yeah. thank you, Mark. So I did not want to be last. I actually <laughs> thought I was positioning myself to be first. <laughs> and I just need to say for a minute the courage that this man has mm. right here. I, I just. <clears throat> he blesses me every day. So I've known the Lord for 16 years, and um, this is how I've experienced God's redemption in my life. Um, at a young age, I fell into a pattern of a sin with, with an eating disorder. Um, I was raised in an environment of per perfection. How I looked was an expression of my, of my identity and who I was. I learned to eat my feelings. Um, I could not have measured up. I experienced so much selfish, selfishness and despair, and I looked for ways to make myself better. Um, I, had, I had so much idol worship. It was unbelievable. Um, at age 50, um, my marriage began to fall apart. Um, and we began talking about divorce. Our kids were all struggling greatly. Um, and I began to believe that there had to be something more, a better way to live. Um, so I left the lovely little congregational church that Mark mentioned that was more of a social club, actually. Um, I, I've been in churches like that my entire life, so it wasn't like this was new to me. Um, we'd been there for 20 years as a family. It was very hard for me to forge a path at a new church without Mark and the kids. And it was very clear that I was being drawn um, by the Lord to leave um, and go to this gospel preaching church. Um, at age 50, I met the Lord at this new church. Um, I had been in churches all my life, but I'd never heard the gospel. Um, I almost immediately did the Freedom in Christ prayer steps, and I got saved. I was literally delivered when I was doing those from binging and purging. I mean, I just was delivered, I never looked back. Um, <clears throat> and it had been something I've been doing since I was 22, so. Um, such a miracle only the Lord could perform. Um, I suddenly, <laughs> I suddenly had such a sense of peace that goes beyond all understanding, which is obviously from the Lord. Um, I watched each one of my family members meet the Lord in the coming years. Each of us got baptized. Um, the Lord began working on our marriage. Um, I'm just going to share this little aside because I didn't know exactly what was Mark was going to share this morning. So um, I went to a Christian counselor 
um, at some point who said that I was with, within my rights to leave our marriage because Mark had been unfaithful. And the one thing that she said was, um, the reason why I went to her was that only two and a half percent of the pop population of those who have same-sex uh, attractions ever get free. And from there, I went to a much better Christian counselor. But before that, I stayed up all night journaling. And at three o'clock in the morning, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, Mark is in the two and a half percent. And you have to believe me and trust me. And I was like, well, whatever. Like, that was the first time I'd heard his voice, you know. Um, but our, our marriage story is just so crazy. And the Lord completely healed our marriage. Um, so mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing. And then for him to give us a marriage ministry, really? Like, <laughs> who does that? Only God can do that. And uh, just, we, we did the um, weekend to remember weekends for, for marriage. And we had this 90-second story that we would share with people that were walking out the door. They'd had it. Usually the wife was un upset because the husband had been unfaithful. And <laughs> Mark would just do this quick 90-second this is what I did. And you just, we watch them time and time again just walk right back in the building like, oh crap. <laughs> if the Lord can heal their marriage, she probably can heal our marriage too. So, um, so anyway, um, <clears throat> let's see, where was I here? Um, so that was a real gift of purpose in, in our lives to be able to help struggling couples um, with their marriages. Um, one of the greatest joys has been seeing our three kids and their spouses walking faithfully um, with the Lord and raising their kids to know the Lord. Um, and I don't take this for granted. I pray for each one of our six kids in their faith walks every single day. Um, and the Lord's given me an, um, a ministry of encouraging young moms. Um, I was a mentor mom with Mops in Vermont for 10 years. Um, I just love encouraging young moms because I was so broken uh, when I was um, raising my own kids. Um, and so life seemed like so much better. Uh, it was, and things were easier after we, seemed like they were easier after we met the Lord. Um, that was until four years ago when we lost our first grandbaby, a beautiful full-term baby girl, a stillbirth, as Mark said. And her beautiful name is Jerusalem Ruth Weimer. And Jerusalem means double dose of, dose of peace our son-in-law is Ethiopian. Um, Jerusalem Ruth Weimer was born a citizen of heaven. Uh, that was a time of deep depression and anxiety and confusion for me. Eventually, this was an opportunity for a much deeper walk with the Lord for me. He was sanctifying me, growing me up in my faith to walk on this earth with a constant reminder that eternity is just around the corner. And eternity is where my little granddaughter resides waiting for me. In the meantime, I still have work to do here for him. There will always be troubles in this earthly life, and the Lord and the Lord is sovereign. And he allowed the great loss of my little granddaughter for his purposes, and, and he is always and forever good. Hmm. Last thing, the song that we sang this morning, Give Thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever, was the first song I sang at the church the evangelical church that I went to when I left the other church, so. Well, thank you, Kim. Well, we started off uh, this time 
reading from the beginning of Psalm 107, uh, 1 through 2. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So thank you all for doing that. Um, psalm 107 ends, and actually Luke read this during our psalm portion. I love how this psalm ends. Psalm 107, verse 43. Those who are wise will take all of this to heart. Um, and the New Living says, they will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Isn't that good? Let us take this to heart. So this morning, I encourage you all to take this to heart. Um, both the testimonies you have heard in Psalm 107 of God redeeming people. He's been doing this for thousands of years. Um, the stories you've heard this morning of God's redemption. And I know this, like God's intention is to write a story of redemption in all of our lives. And so this week, I really encourage you to think about what in your life right now is God redeeming? Like what in your life is God looking to, to bring you uh, to himself for healing, for restoration? Um, I'm confident that that's God's intention. Um, so it's easy at the week of Thanksgiving to be thankful just for the, the things around us that we should be thankful for, food, family, homes. That's great. Um, but I love this focus of Psalm 107. Not just what he's given to us, but what he's done and is doing in our lives. So this week, read Psalm 107 and consider how has God worked redemption? How is he working redemption? How could he work redemption uh, in your story? And I look forward to more of these kind of stories uh, being told here in this community. So uh, let me now uh, kind of close with prayer. I want to pray for you all. And I'm, I'm thankful God's brought you to this church. I'm thankful that we get to follow Christ together. And I'm very thankful you're willing, willing to tell your story this morning. So thank you. Let's pray together. Lord, we are thankful that you are good, uh, that your love is steadfast, that it does endure forever. Uh, Lord, our love is so uh, fickle. Um, Lord, it's so difficult to love those that don't love us. And we are thankful that you are not like us in this way. Um, so thank, thank you for loving us even when we haven't loved you. God, I thank you for, for Mark and for Kim and for Mike and for Losman and for how you've worked in their lives. We thank you for your redemption. Uh, Lord, we thank you that that redemption is also ongoing. We pray you continue, uh, Lord, to work out your good purposes in their lives and through their lives. I thank you for their courage, Lord, in telling their stories this morning, for telling of your redemption. God, I pray for us all that benefited from hearing these. God, I pray that you would help us to more fully believe uh, who you are. Uh, Lord, that you are the God who is good, that you do redeem. There is nothing beyond your redemption. So Lord, help us to bring all of that to you. And God, I look forward to how you're going to work uh, even further stories of redemption in our church. But this week, we simply pause and we say thank you for who you are and what you've done. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's well, stand and we can uh, sing again together. <laughs>